Hey, folks, welcome to Free Press Sports with Carlos and Sean. Uh, just a, a quick word for those of you who are listening with us. Uh, Carlos is off this week. He's uh, Maybe I should say he's he's out this week. He will, uh, I presume, rejoin us next week, and we will look forward to that. But in the meantime, we have a, a guest, uh, actually somebody that I've been wanting to get into this podcast for uh, since we started, basically. And the truth is, it would probably be a little bit more fun if we had him when Carlos is here, but um, but this is this is going to be okay, too. I, I, I want to welcome in the, the, the person who is my editor, uh, Carl's editor, uh, anybody that works in sports is editor. He, he's the, he's the person that makes all of our sports coverage at the free press happen, go, you know, overseas, everything. And I thought it would be fun to bring him in to sort of talk about the process to talk about himself a little bit. I know there are a lot of you out there that may have particular quibbles with, with, uh, the individual beat coverage or what a column has to say, but there are also some times where, People have ideas, listeners, readers, y'all have ideas about the free press coverage itself. And are we slanted towards Michigan over Michigan State, for example? That's that's the biggest one. Is there a blue wall or whatever? But but oftentimes, do we have any kind of agenda when it comes to the Tigers or the Wings or, or anything like that? And I just thought it'd be fun to kind of pick uh, the, the, this gentleman's brain about all of this. And uh, he can tell us a little bit about how he got into the business and, and, and why sports matters so much. All right, I've talked long enough. Kirk Crawford, thank you so much for coming in here today and uh, and joining our little podcast. Sean, it's it's a pleasure to be here, man. And, and as you know, yes, I I hate your school. It, it's it's just a given, no matter what. Whichever school you root for, I can't stand them. No, you can't. You can't. You're actually, uh, but you know, you're actually a, you're a Chippewa, right? Is that that's is right? That, uh, fire up chips. I I'm a graduate of uh, Central Michigan University. Uh, not that that plays into how we cover uh, any of the teams in the Mid-American Conference. Uh, we probably wrote more about Eastern Michigan in the last school year than anything else because of Amani Bates, of course. Um, so, yeah, the, the I always enjoy my, my inbox uh, is chock full of uh, accusations that I hate slash love insert school here between the two in the Big Ten, and I get a chuckle out of it uh, quite often. Well, okay, we're 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 going to get into that in a bit, but before we do, I, I just want listeners to um to get a little bit of an idea about who you are and and kind of how you got into the business and where you're from. Do, do you mind talking about yeah. you know where you grew up, why journalism, why particular sports journalism, and kind of what led you to this this seat that you're in today, which is to me one of the best seats in the country in one of the best sports sections of the country. Okay, fine, I'm biased. Yes, I am, but uh, you know. Uh, there's some metrics that back that up too. I am equally biased and my, (laughs) my computer time would tell you that it's certainly the most, one of the busiest sports towns in America. Yeah, man, I, I, I grew up here. I'm, I'm a, I'm born and raised in, in the West side of the city, the Northwest side. And I'm a graduate of Renaissance high school in, in 2002. So I was able to watch, um, (laughs) Uh, Malik Harrison uh, and and Joe Crawford up close and personal back when that was a when high school basketball was a huge deal certainly at Renaissance and I've just always wanted to do this I mean it, my my earliest memories as a person are the 1990 NBA Finals but that's that's I'm you know I'm five and a half at that point and that's the first that's some of the first 
things I remember as a person just in general. You know, that's the tail end of my kindergarten year and just being allowed to stay up past, well past my bedtime at that point to watch Vinnie Johnson's uh, jumper from the right side with uh, 0.7 on the clock to clinch the title was a huge deal. I went to the went to a Perry drugstore opening on Oakman Boulevard, for those of you who are familiar with uh, Detroit uh, geography, right after that. And John Sally was the special guest. And I they stuck a f- microphone in the five-year-old's face because it was cute and he wanted a question. And so I count that as my first interview in, in the business at, at, you know, it's as best I could count that. I've just always wanted to be, uh, I've enjoyed the stories of our area because, you know, when you dig deeper into what the Pistons meant culturally in that time in the late eighties and the early nineties in this area, and then you learn about the Tigers and its impact or their impact, not just in the 1980s, but certainly in the 1960s. And then my parents were both young children during the 1967 uh, rebellion, uprising, riots, however you want to term it. So I've, I've have always felt this deep connection to our area and have grown to appreciate how, especially the teams that we remember most, how and why we remember those teams so well from the 1990s Red Wings, but but learning about the Dead Wings area or era leading up to it. that That's what drew me into our industry, telling those stories and sharing those stories. And, you know, one thing sort of just led to another and my, my work at Renaissance High School connected me to the free press back in, in high school. And at that point, man, it was just, it was a match made in heaven, some would say. So you graduate from Renaissance, you go to the journalism school at Central Michigan? That's right. Yes. I, I was fortunate enough to win the uh, Lem Tucker Journalism Scholarship in in 2002. It's a scholarship that still goes on. Lem Tucker was a, a journalist uh, who worked for all three major television networks at the time in the 1970s and 80s. He was the second black student body president of a of a mostly white, basically, college university in the country back in the 1950s. And again, had an established journalism career. And in the late 1990s, Central Michigan developed a scholarship for, for in his name, he'd since passed on, uh, and is a native son of Saginaw. So for the last uh, more than 25, 30 years now, the CMU has been awarding a scholarship to a young journalist in the state. And I was that person uh, 21 years ago now. And that connected me not only just to, you know, access within this industry, uh, and sort of plying my craft in a lot of different areas. Uh, and also, it's also where, where I met my wife. And cool. it's also where, you know, most of the good things that have happened to me in my life have been associated with that scholarship one way or another. So, so then you, so you, you, you get your, your degree in journalism at Central. Yes. And you said you were hooked up with the free press before. Was that through the, that was the high school program, but did you eventually get into the prep? 
crew at all? I did, yes. Yeah. So I not only was a part of the high school journalism program as a student, but even during the, I did two summers as an apprentice with the free press. It's the same program that people like Jamel Hill participated in. And even several of our other current editors today, James Hill, who's our, the senior uh, editor with the free press and uh, Brian Todd, who's one of our web editors uh, at the free press. So it was kind of almost like a minor league, more or less, or like a, a like a prospect camp, if you will. And, it, and that's another thing that, that still goes on, not necessarily in the way in which it was originally implemented, but it still continues to this day, uh, thankfully. And so I did two summers there. And the second, in between there, my senior year is when I first joined the prep crew, which many of us, most most people who are in sports journalism start there at somewhere or another, in some avenue or another. You're taking scores from high school games. So I have... I have a pretty well working knowledge of all the high schools in the Metro Detroit area and most of the state of Michigan, honestly. And that's how is by learning under, you know, even tangentially under the tree of Mick McCabe, who we've had on the podcast here before and is a a Hall of Famer in every sense of the word. So, yeah, it it went from prep crew. And then when he got back to got back from college, I was able to get into the community free press process and started freelancing in that way. And then luckily, the Tigers were actually good that year in the summer of 06, as you remember. And people had to be moved around and shuffled. And I kind of moseyed my way into the sports department uh, that way. And the rest is history. And they can't get rid of me, I say, at this point. Uh, you've been there ever since. You kind of worked your way up. You were an assistant You were assistant sports editor for a good long while. And then yeah. when you got the... When you got the big seat, which is now, what, a year? It's been a year and a half. Oh, this is no. year three now. No. Well, what? Yeah, yeah man. It was you know the, what it is? It's the it's the COVID year. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You're right. Uh, so it's two and a half or two. Two, two and no. some change now. Yeah, Two definitely. and some change. Yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's the COVID year. It, it bends time still. <laughs> it does. Doesn't, doesn't, it does, doesn't. man. Like, you just look up and you almost forget that seasons happened. You know, it's it's amazing. Like, you went to the... To the NCAA tournament, basically, you're stationed in Indianapolis for yeah. two months, practically between the I Big Ten tournament and the NCAA tournament, and like it just it's a blur. It's just a blur. Yeah, sometimes I have trouble remembering what year. I mean, exactly. I know the 2020, I guess, right? But sometimes you, it's just kind of yeah. It's 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 amazing how much that all has changed. The sports landscape it changed. The budgets of a lot of businesses around the country, including newspapers, it's changed. Yeah how we cover stuff. There's a lot of other stuff that's changed how we cover things too. And I'd like to talk to that, uh, talk about that in a minute, but, but sure. getting back to your, getting your position. What was that? What was that like for you? I mean, obviously you were the, the I mean, maybe I shouldn't say obviously, because I, I don't know that our listeners know that know this, but you were the first black ed- editor, sports editor, the free press. So you, you made some history there, which is yeah. pretty amazing. Right. And I don't know how much, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, it was, I mean, that was definitely, <laughs> it was a lot of uh, a lot of to think about. The history element of it was was definitely a part of it, and having having someone in that position that understands our audience and the teams and how important sports plays as a role in the lifeblood of our industry. Quite frankly, uh, you know, not to toot our own horn, but we <laughs> we have a big role. In, in keeping the free press 
solvent as best we can. And that's a ma- that's a big responsibility, understanding that shepherding our coverage and making sure that we are covering what we need to cover and and making decisions ab- about what we, you know, don't need to cover or how often we need to cover. It's a, it's a great responsibility. And yeah, that so that that was a lot of there was a lot going into it. It was more than just, all right, yeah, I'll take the gig. Let, let's do it. Like it, it, it took a lot of really, you know, thinking about, man, do I really want to to have that level of responsibility? No, because I, I don't know that you, any of us start out. I mean, maybe some of us do, but you don't necessarily start out, oh, I'm gonna I want to run the free press sports department. 15 years down the road or whatever, right? Or 20 years down, or I want to be a columnist. I I never, I never thought about being a columnist, to be honest. I, you know, I had different ideas. So now there are some people that do. Mike Rosenberg used to write for us. and is a fabulous columnist, works for Sports Illustrated. Told me one time he wanted to be a sports columnist since he was 12, right? You know? Wow, yeah. And and some, and some folks know that, you know, do, do kids grow up wanting to be editors necessarily? Or do they want to be reporters, you know, or yeah, writers? No, like, or- I, I, I think they're, I mean, especially in, in growing up, you know, there's there's much more of an allure to seeing their name in the paper and seeing, you know, being the front-facing property, right, or, or the entity, the, you know, growing up in our area, you know, that there are, everyone wants to be Bill Bonds, and there aren't, you know, you could name, Re- Reggie Hall was the sports producer at Channel 7 for, for years and years and years, no one really knew who he was, right? I mean, it, but there is a there is a great responsibility in in making that tapestry good on a consistent basis. And as you know, Sean, our you know we're painting on multiple boards. You know, we have not just the digital digital space to handle. But also, we still produce a paper every day, and that that's still a that's as important, you know, trying to handle both of those at the same time is its own sort of balancing act. No, I, no, absolutely. And a, and a quick word about um, you were talking about how we help keep the free press solvent, obviously, and everybody has a hand in that to a degree. But the importance of sports, and it is a great responsibility. I don't know how great that is for our larger society <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that, news, that newspapers need sports in that way. It's, it's funny. I had a, a, a really good friend of mine is a op-ed uh, writer in, in Charlotte for the Charlotte Observer and also part of their opinion page for the, the company that owns them. And we, they were, he was joking with me that the circulation numbers have gotten a little bit better in Kansas, got better in Kansas City this fall. Because of the Chiefs and their own, uh, the, the run they made in the Super Bowl, and because mm-hmm. of Patrick Mahomes, and and he was like, okay, do, do we really want our democratic institutions? And I know we're not a government institution, but we are an institution, and we're a democratic institution, small small d. And um, do we really want a quarterback <laughs> to have a role in the success of of how we get you know news about the city council out, the school board out, and 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 police force and fire and businesses and you know environmental issues all these things that are super important to how we kind of all live do we want uh, a quarterback to dictate to some degree how much people are getting that information well that's that's i mean that speaks to sort of the larger issue of you know yeah we're we're the fourth estate but you know we're the fourth estate that's not backed by government funding right like where where's the other three pillars of democracy 
or 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 houses of democracy are are taken care of by taxpayers, right? So in order for us to be able to 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 do those that type of reporting, that's extremely important. I think I've I've actually been chastised in the past in meetings and, and sort of calling what we do is the toy department, whereas it's not just the toy department. What we do is vital to uh, our audience and is important to our audience based on the numbers that we see and also provides us the runway to do those important things like making sure people aren't being corrupt, making sure gov- you know government isn't lying to to its constituents and, and making sure that people are held accountable um, on, on a day-to-day and week-to-week basis. The, the, the unfortunate part about that is that that costs money and that revenue has to be raised somehow. So yeah, it, it helps if Michigan is good that year, you know? <laughs> Wait a second. I thought we just said there was no blue wall and out of the eight examples and the eight teams we have, <laughs> you picked Michigan to say, uh, you know, uh, that's why we hope they're, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I got to uh, feed the narrative somehow, Sean, you know, that's right. But I mean, but that's, it's, it's funny to me because, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to take a break here and we're going to come back and talk about this. But it's funny to me that um, something as innocuous as that, as innocent as that, you just what you just did could be, you know, aggregated or whatever, right, and turned into. Well, um, uh, well, and, and to that point, uh, there's also a reason why I didn't say another school. Uh, but again, that gets deeper into, uh, you know, what we may be getting into later. But yes, uh, that there is a reason I said Michigan and not uh, some other schools um, quarterback, so to speak. You could have said Mich- uh, the Lions, of course, because they, you know, and this the, the last point I'll make. Talking about what's good for what's good for business, and look, we're not we're not giving any way state secrets, industry secrets, Detroit free press secrets. The Lions are by far our biggest driver of of interest, of traffic, of video, of podcast, podcast of, downloads, yeah, absolutely, of, of of everything, and and that, and that makes sense, and that's true in most markets around the country. When with an NFL team, right? I mean, it's it's the most popular sport in our country, so it makes sense. And this is one of the best NFL markets in the in the country, despite all the history of losing. Right? It's it's untapped potential. Just how on fire this area will be. I mean, we even see it now for a team that that went eight and two in the last ten games last year and missed the playoffs. That there we we couldn't produce enough Lions stories, interests, content, however you want to term it, last December and January. We couldn't do enough. No, look at look at look at look at the traffic from what we had with the draft and all the interest. This Dave Burkett, our great lines beat writer who we have in you know, a frequent guest of this podcast, wrote a story about Jameer Gibbs within the last few days and a little bit about his background. And I and I can tell just by and I'll give you I'll give you listeners a little secret. You can tell sometimes okay, so Look, I know we're going to get to this break real quick, but just this last thought because I'll forget this. When you look at our, our our website in particular and you see where things are placed, a lot of that is an editorial choice. But there's also a calculus, a logarithm. There, there are, there are, in effect, AI or whatever we want to call it. There's a computer that's making that choice based on how often it gets clicked, right? So it's sort of, that's not an editorial choice. That's you guys making the choice for the free press in a way by opening up and then you're moving it around. So when you see, for example, Dave's really good piece on Gibbs, 
that ran a, a few days ago, when you see that linger on the site in somewhat of a prominent way, that's because you're reading it, right? And Absolutely. I mean, sometimes sometimes an editor can come in and try to give something a boost and move it around and say, hey, this isn't, you know, we think this is a good story. We want to put it here so you'll see it more easily. For sure that happens. And it's not like we don't control our own digital space. We do. But it's based on, to a large degree, what you guys do. Right, Kirk? Without question. Uh, it's why, you know, especially in the mornings where, you know, a great deal of our traffic happens between 6 a.m. and noon. Uh, when we write about the Detroit Lions, whether it's it's Dave or you, Sean, or Carlos or, or Jeff or Mitch or whomever, um, you'll see that prominently placed because the evidence, the numbers tell us that our audience gravitates to that story or those types of stories at a much higher rate than almost anything else that, that we produce. Um, and, and not just within the sports department, but some would argue even within the entire business would between that and autos news, or if there's some breaking news, national story that, that, that happens, if Jared Goff says or does or moves something, or Dan Campbell has says something even semi viral, it's going to, uh, resonate extremely well with the, with our readership. No, for sure. And uh, and to, to the larger point here about why we cover what we cover, and we get into Michigan, Michigan State, and is the, and I also want to ask you, too, about is there room for coverage that's, I mean, obviously we do high school preps, but maybe not quite like we used to, but is there room for just coverage and stories that aren't just the day-to-day grind of the eight major teams that we that we write about, right? Now, you could bring in the uh, the soccer team mm. I mean, a lot of, a lot of people would argue is it this should that be our ninth team with that popularity but that's a different conversation in any case so let's get into that but let's take this break i keep promising and, and failing to deliver <laughs> and we will we'll be right back with more free press sports with carlson shop Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson and Sean. So, Kirk, as, as we were saying before the break, and let me just ask you this point blank. Do you feel like there's the same room, space, maybe even interest to write about? Because the, the sports seeps into uh, so much of our, our society and so much of life. It's not always just the main teams that we love and root for, main professional teams, colleges. Do you feel like the, the way the landscape has changed in our business the last 10, five years even, but 10, 15 years especially, still allows for some of the storytelling? I think there's there's marketplace for it. I don't know if it's marketplace for us to do it necessarily. Take DCFC, for example, right? There are some great stories there, and not just the players on the on the team itself, but, you know, we, we've done those the types of stories with the fans and, and certainly that, you know, the march into the uh, into uh, Keyworth Stadium there in Hamtramck. Like we we've done that story. We've we've uh, and it's 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 not just a, a, a great story to tell. It's extremely dynamic. It's very photogenic. Uh, it's a fun thing to do. Audience does not gravitate to it in the way in which I, I think from <laughs> virtue-seeking people would want us to think it does. It just, it's not there. So can a magazine do it that's focused 
hyperly focused on soccer or, or the soccer scene in the state of Michigan or in this region cover it much more succinctly? I think so. I don't know if it's a great use of our resource to devote a great deal of attention to it consistently. We're, we're finding the same thing with the Michigan Panthers and the USFL, right? They, they've just returned home and have played a couple of games at Ford Field. Um, there was less than 10,000 people at both of those games in, in a 60,000-seat stadium. Now, what does that tell me? I, I take that into account a little bit, but I also take it to the account that uh, those stories, especially the stories written and, 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 and that we covered when they first got here, did not take off to a great level that it had the, the previous year when they were in Birmingham. So it it helps determine and dictate how we want to use the resources that we have, which have dwindled and are, are shrinking. You know, do I devote, do I try to ask my team to pay as much attention as possible to that? Or do we lean upon the things that we know our audience is going to be interested in. So that's the balance, right? Because we still need to do the news. We still need to do what things that are important to our community, the things that people want and need to hear about. We still need to hold people accountable, these entities, especially, you know, from a college standpoint, you know, these are public public universities that that the two the two uh, schools that people care about most around here are. So there are some accountability things that we have to keep tabs on. Um does that mean that we don't write as much about Hope College? Uh, you know, their women's basketball team has been great. Um, unfortunately, yeah. I mean, there, there's some give and take there, and, and that's that's a part. I mean, it's maybe the, the roughest part of my job is making those decisions of, yeah, but I don't know if we can. And that's really what's changed. It's funny, just to give you a little, to, to, to give you guys that are listening a little insight here, the Kirk and I were talking recently about a story at a small school out of this market, you know, in another part of the state, and some Olympic-level gun facilities that they have for shooting. And um, part of the part of the reason I was interested in it also is because the they were sort of pitching their new facilities and their training, the programs they have at this college, as also being pr- protective of the Constitution, that they, they want to make a statement. And that tells you something how they feel politically. And as a columnist, to me, that's interesting because I can sort of talk about the sport part of it, but also then the larger ramifications of why this this college feels like it's important to promote this sport. Well, it's not just because of the sport itself. It's because of where they feel like they fit in society, what they're trying to do in terms of uh, educating their the people that come across their, their campus. And I could tell by Kirk's immediate reaction you know if i had if i had told him that six seven years ago he would have been oh okay that's great go but i could tell by kirk's immediate reaction we're going to think this through more because it, it it does really come down to resources and our ability in this business to see to see oh by the minute who's reading and mm-hmm. or who's listening has been a great tool it's allowed us to act a lot more like a lot of the rest of corporate america in terms of Understanding our, our our customers, we've never even referred to our readers as customers. <laughs> no, we've always, but but they are. Newspapers have been kind of 
stubborn about that because we think of ourselves as the force of state and having this importance to society. In any case, the information, all that data has been great on, for a lot of things. But the, what it's done, though, is I think cost us this idea where, oh, okay, that's a good story over there. That's the story the public needs to know. We're just going to put it in the print. And people that are going to read it, they're going to read it. We're not going to worry about who reads it and by how much. Right. And I mean, to me, that's probably the biggest change that I've seen in the last 20 years in the business, other than just the lack of budgets and the shrinking and the shrinking resources and so forth. It's, it's a catch-22 in that we, we, have, we have been given no other option but to try to operate as efficiently as possible. And the, the double-edged sword nature of a, being more efficient is, you know, just like in basketball, it's not taking shots that you have a greater likelihood of missing. And some of those shots, like the story that, that you're bringing up, you know, it's, it, it has to be told in a way and, and, and presented in a way to where it can be as successful as possible. And there's more work that maybe needs to be done there than it would riffing about Brad Holmes for 25 inches. You, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's, it's true. It, it's true. And, and, and not to make it sound as simple as that, but yeah, it, it, in some instances it is that simple to where, you know, do you write about the lions again? Uh, okay. I mean, if there's something there that that's new and, and, and relevatory, yeah, we do, but we can't. And that's sort of the, that's the conundrum that the, our industry is in, right, Sean? That, that we are kind of stuck between being a product and also being the responsible, you know, bastions of truth, justice in the American way, not to steal from Superman, but that's, that's kind of what we're trying to both be at the same time, right? Like, yes, we're going to protect you, but please buy our product, right? Like, that's, that's kind of where we are. Right, and, and this obviously ties into this idea of the blue wall because so much of that is, I mean, maybe not all of it. There's a lot of emotion that's involved in that too, and people are thinking with their gut, and rightly so. That's fandom. That's why we exist. It's why we have jobs. To be honest, if fans don't care, I mean, think about it. Think about what we what we do. It's sort of not ridiculous, but it's it's unfathomable in a way that somebody watches a game on television or goes to a game in person and then wants to have somebody else tell, tell them, them what they, what they, what saw. they just saw. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, that's, if nothing not, else to either as a, as a, a affirmation of their bias or to, <laughs> in some cases, hate read it uh, after the result, occurred that they didn't necessarily enjoy. No, for but, sure. And then they become even more inflamed because we are telling them, yeah, this is the result you really didn't like. Here's why it happened. Right. And so the, the, the idea that, that we make money off of that sort of human, um, I don't want to say proclivity, but just just, just that, that, that human nature of that, the, the mm. human desire for that, when you really don't see it, I mean, think about uh, because we are in, in the sports are entertainment. I, I think they're more than entertainment, but they, let's—I don't want to get too pretentious. They're 
they are first and foremost entertainment. But think about with a movie. With a movie, you do the, the or a TV show now because TV is so cinematic, and that's kind of replaced our movie experience yeah. to a large degree. Or even a, a really good restaurant. Um, you read what people think about it before you go. Generally, yeah. yeah. Now, sometimes you might come a, come across something you watch it. Oh, that's great! I want to go see what other people thinking about it. And obviously, there are these other layers too now. And it's true in sports where you you're watching something and you're in in a chat room or you're on a text thread or whatever in you know in live in real time or right after the episode. You know, there are websites out there now where you can go break down the show together. There are podcasts that do that. Absolutely. So there's still some of that. So it, it is changing a little bit. But by and large, we're really the only ones where you go to the sport and then you seek out the <laughs> yes. word, right? And, and our job is to make what we do the first thing you see when you're seeking out that that sort of reaction or analysis upon what you just saw. That's the fight we're in, right? Yes. Because yes. there are a lot of other people that want want those want your attention too. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that, that's kind of funny to to kind of that is what we do and we understand that the the, the audience that we're serving is extremely passionate about what they see and whom they root for, or in some cases, whom they root against. Um, so we try to write and and produce understanding that there are folks on on many different parts of that spectrum of fandom uh, a part of it. You know, we you know we know that people who are reading our stuff aren't haven't watched football for the first time necessarily, or they're not thoroughly unfamiliar with the rules of basketball. But, you know, they may not know the difference between Jalen Llewellyn and Kobe Bufkin, per se. Or they, Mi- or in Michigan some cases, Dars. they may completely know. Right, right. That's so, another thing that's interesting about sports when you're writing about sports is that you assume who's reading you know so much, which goes against, like, I didn't study sports writing in when I, when yeah. I got my journalism degree. I have two degrees. I have a History degree and a journalism degree. I didn't study, so it kind of goes against what you're taught. Absolutely, you don't, you don't ever want to assume the reader knows anything. Now you want to you want to treat them with some basic level of of uh, respect and assume that there's a few things they understand about living on this planet, right? Yes, for sure. But in sports, the assumptions that if you're in that space with the with the writer, you know a lot, right? We 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 write to those assumptions, but get back to you were talking about the passion and the decisions and the resources and i i want to finish up with the with the idea of this blue wall but i'm gonna i hate to divert one more one more time here but sorry right. this this keeps it in the same vein there may be some maybe the readers are used to it at this point because it's been going on for a couple of years now but i i, I want to acknowledge that we don't cover the, our professional teams the, the lines we do football's different they're only six or 17 games now but but we don't always send our beat writers on the road now right right uh, with the right. wings with the tigers and with the pistons we make uh, other decisions sometimes too do we want to go to certain conferences we question where we always used to go as a matter of fact like the big 10 meetings and football meetings or basketball meetings and how many sure. people are going to send those decisions too but the main thing is i, I can you talk a little bit about that and why we have to do that in 
how challenging that is for you. And maybe that's going to be even more challenging if one of these teams really gets good. Yeah, it's it. it <laughs> it's almost like you, you, you hit, you know, you get a certain amount of, of food, right? And you have to try to make sure that everyone within your house eats. And there are certain times where uh, there's certain uh, aspects need certain, you know, more food, so to speak. Like we're going to go to every Lions game. As, as you mentioned, there's only 16 of them. There's only eight or nine of them on the road. Um, there are 41 road games for the, in the NBA and 41 more in the NHL and 81 in, in major league baseball. So you're talking about, you know, what is that? Uh, uh, almost 160 different hotel nights, right? Uh, and many, many, many trips into the airport and back and forth and all over all over the, the continent, so to speak. And even in some cases, away from the continent. Last year, the Pistons were in Paris and uh, Michigan basketball went to London. Um, so, yes, a generation, two generations ago, there would be no question we would send someone to every road contest. Uh, but that was also two generations ago where we had five additions to the newspaper and, you know, th just the basic economics of our, uh, uh, model were different and not as constrained as they are now for everybody in every, in almost every arena. Right. So we have to make some of those decisions about, you know, do we need to go on this road trip out to Western Canada or do we need to, make this quick jaunt to Cleveland and Indianapolis for the Pistons and then back here to, to Detroit, you know, there, what, so what, what the digital age has allowed us to do is be able to try to cover teams from afar in some instances, but I don't like not sending our writers to places. I don't like, you know, we had to make stuff, some decisions with Michigan State there and, and with Michigan football this year about how many times we send writers to this, that, or the other. How many writers do we send to 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 football games? I did not enjoy pulling people off the road. Um, but that was a necessary part of what we had to had to do. So kind of getting to this um this idea of the blue wall and I think I think it's I think it's layered here. Some of it is just plain cynical business sense from Michigan State fans. I think that well, Michigan's you know, it's a business decision, right? So you're going to go after Michigan to get cover more and so on and so forth. And but and then some is it's much deeper the, psychologically that there's the dynamic between the relation between the fan bases, the dynamic between the schools, how we think of the schools academically and all of that and are we pushing the agenda of of one school over the other and and, and this crops up periodically i'm trying to think of the, the the recent best example um maybe you could help me out here i think i think our colleague reiner saban was at the combine mm -hmm. and wrote a story about michigan state not having any players there or maybe it was before the combine and he basically it was a piece Looking at the lack of Spartans that were going to be drafted and how that's a reflection of where Mel Tucker's program is at the moment. Right. And that came, oh, God, what was it? There, there was a Michigan piece. I wish I could remember the details. But anyway, that that piece frustrated some Michigan State fans 
and then maybe it came on the heels of a Michigan piece. It may have been Reiner again too. Maybe it was somebody else that they thought should have been more critical and wasn't. But that but that happens. Yeah, that happens all the time. I mean, look, you could, you could it, it, someone who was uh, staunch on one side of the argument or the other can pick apart any sort of set of circumstances to affirm what their point is, right? The bottom line is this. First off, we, as as a member of the Gannett group, uh, between ourselves and Lansing State Journal, we probably write more, slightly more Michigan State stuff in our state than Michigan stuff, right? If you include what 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 we hit with with Lansing, which we use often, but readers don't make that distinction. Right? Readers That's... don't make that distinction, and I understand that, and I don't expect them always necessarily to do so. Also, it doesn't fit their narrative if they do. So I, I understand that also. Um, yes, our the 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 numbers and readership for our stories that are written about Michigan football do better than Michigan State football pretty much all the time for for years and years and years and years and years um what we don't do except when they're really good can we make can we make that point except when both Michigan and Michigan State are really good yeah i mean when Michigan State football is really good, they drive traffic pretty. They do well, yes. They, they do really absolutely well. do well. They don't do as well as if Michigan is also good, right? But but if Michigan State's really good and Michigan's mediocre, then Michigan State draws better traffic. We've it, seen, that. yeah, yes, yes, and we've had that. We've had that happen in the last ten or fifteen years. You know, with, uh, you know the run that Mark D'Antonio led, uh, and the, the struggles that Michigan went through. Um. Yes, we, we from a from a from a page view standpoint. Yeah, Michigan State when they go into the when they went to the Rose Bowl and then went to the college football playoff and back to back years, they were the hottest thing going. The, absolutely. And um, and and I know you want to finish your point, but basketball yeah. too. Basketball because it's not quite the same with basketball, right? If they're both good, Michigan State basketball draws evenly or better than Michigan basketball. Yes. Y- yes. Usually better. Usually, usually better. better. I mean, but also they are usually in the conversation for a national championship in in many instances. And and while Michigan is well, this past year Michigan wasn't. There was also sort of an expectation that maybe Michigan State could, and then all of a sudden they found themselves in a position where they were in the middle of this run, got to the second weekend, and of course you know Sean, you had the front row seat to the to 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 that run this year that culminated at Madison Square Garden. Uh, but yeah, Michigan State basketball is a is an international brand, not just a national brand, it's an international brand. It's ESPN wants them <laughs> on foreign soil playing playing basketball, typically. Um, so yeah, like that, we have the fortune of having two major college sports brands in our backyard, and we try to cover both of them as fairly and as equally as possible. Now, if, you know, it, all things being equal, one sports team will will be read better than another sports team. And v- <laughs> vice versa, basically, if, if with the other, with basketball. Um, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean that we try to hide or not cover or not uncover things 
that um, that are nefarious or or or, or fishy or uh, you know need to be called out upon. We were very very tough on Jim Harbaugh his first six seasons, seven seasons, six seasons at at, at Michigan. Um, I thought we you know if if the Mel Tucker situation doesn't get better, I I would imagine we are going to be tough there as well. As tough as we need to be, you know. There's also a definition of what is tough, right? Like if we're not singing some some culture or team's praises, then there's a there's a felt there's a thought that we are being biased, to which I can't, you know, I can't help you there or or unexplain why, you know, that's not necessarily bias, it's criticism. It's it's interesting, just speaking about tough, and I think it's different with college, with the pros, maybe not with the coaches so much, but certainly with the players. I I personally, as a columnist, don't, I'm not as comfortable being as critical of college players. Yeah, I know they're making money, I know they can make money now, but it's still, they're still not making money directly from their employers, so they're not professionals. They're making money off the marketing opportunities, right? And that and that may change. I don't know that that would change how I still feel about it because we're still talking about eighteen and nineteen year olds in some cases, and I don't think they deserve the same criticism uh, that a twenty five, thirty year old vet does in a, in a professional league. But that's a different story. But I wrote a column uh, right before the end of the regular season about Michigan basketball, and they had been playing better, a lot better, right, mm-hmm. and had. Um, I'm trying to remember if they had lost. They had a couple of late overtime losses at Indiana and Illinois, and I don't mm-hmm. remember if that was part of the column or not. But the idea was that, no, it was before those. They had started playing better, and they put themselves in a position with a couple of wins to get in the NCAA tournament. And I wrote a column basically saying, sometimes you just have a year like this, and the goal is just to, to keep getting better, to watch your young guys develop, yes. which which they had. Kobe Bufkin had definitely gotten better in particular. And Jet Howard was a different story. But anyway... What I wrote in that moment was true. And then they went out, lost a couple of tough games, and then just played really poorly in Chicago in the Big Ten tournament. And by that time, the column got – it just kept looking worse and worse, <laughs> right? But but I got a lot of people really mad at me, Michigan State's, saying that's because you're part of a cabal at the free press <laughs> that favors Michigan when, in fact – no, I'd written a column about Jawan Howard at the time that I thought was true. He didn't have his best season, but he was starting to find his way late, and then it ended up falling apart after I wrote about it. But I thought, you know, that right? Some, so sometimes you write something that's true, and then a couple of weeks later, it's not. What 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 I what I, what I what I try to live by from a philosophy standpoint, especially with that criticism, is look if you disagree with the opinion that. That that we have, or that Sean has, or or, or Carlos, or or whomever, disagreeing with the opinion is fine. I mean, that look, he he or she has a stance in one spot. You disagree with it? Okay, that's cool. I, I just what what bothers me is is truth, or lack thereof, or or saying, well, you guys only wrote this because A, B, C, D, and E, and F. Like, wait, that, that for, that's just not true. Um, so no, I mean. Our thought pattern on when we write and when we publish and how we go about, you know, producing content on a daily, weekly, monthly basis is not, you know, we don't get 
the red phone call from athletic departments saying, hey, you need to write A, B, C, or D. Like that doesn't, that doesn't happen. That hasn't happened. That or that we'll lose happen. our privileges, right? That yeah, right. But we're not writing scared of, of offending someone or, or, you know, if, if we don't, if we ruffle enough feathers, we will, we'll, we'll get, we'll be put in timeout. Like that, that just, we, we can't operate that way. And we don't operate that way, do we? And no, we, we won't operate no that way. Like that's Even if it's just uh, you and, and uh, Dave Burkett left in the, the sports department, right? <laughs> you're still not going to, you're still not, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just not going to, we're just not going to, we're not going to do that. We, we're not, you know, from a journalistic standpoint, and yeah, that's still an important part of it. Our, our job is to, is to see, is to describe what we see and, and, analyze what we see and be critical when it needs it, when it's time to be critical and, and praise when it's time to praise. And I think we do a fair job of that, uh, in all, all accounts. And if it wasn't, then, you know, I guess I'd be running out of town, I suppose. No. And, and the last point I'll make is obviously, and you acknowledge this, I certainly do. I think everybody in our staff would, you know, we, we do make mistakes sometimes, right? Um, oh, sure. I mean, not only do we make typos and errors and all that, we've, we've always done that, but sometimes you write something and you're like, ah, I wished I would have thought that through just a tiny bit better. I wish I had more time. I wish I'd thought maybe differently about it, or I wish I'd had this piece of information I didn't know that might have changed mm-hmm. something. Because we have to put out ideas and report reports all the time, every day, basically, right? Um, there, there's going to be some of that. It's just, it's not. I'm not justifying that we 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 get stuff wrong occasionally like that, especially when it comes to opinions. You know, we always want to be right when it comes to, to facts. Okay, this team beat this team. This means this. Yeah. In the standings, whatever. We we don't ever want to get that wrong. Although even occasionally we might get a typo in there, but but sometimes yeah, you do. You want something back occasionally and think, okay, God, I wish I had thought of it that way that's that's human that's human nature but we don't want to get the facts wrong right absolutely i mean that getting the facts right is is a is a non you know that's that that that's the bare that's the baseline uh we could be wrong about thinking a a, a certain play should have went one way or another that's that's part of our job like that's that's part of it there's going to be you know we my staff's least favorite thing is doing this, the game predictions. I know it is. Uh, it's also, uh, I hate it. I uh, hate it. I know Sean hates it. I regret almost sending the email out every week. Um, <laughs> I don't think a lot of reporters like it actually. You no, know, I, I, and I understand that. I, I get it. It turns us into, that. it turns us into bookies. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a different conversation altogether because, you know, know. Some, some would, you know, people have been using the newspaper industry to be bookies for, for years, for one way or another, both both above and below the table. But, um, yeah, man, like, we're going to get stuff wrong. Like, but what, what we don't want to do is, is, is commit errors in, in judgment because we were lazy or because we just overlooked something thoroughly. If we, if we thought someone, should have ran the ball more, and then it ends up being to where they have the best passing offense in the world. Okay, I guess we got that wrong. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah, if you think happens. the Lions needed to sign Lamar Jackson, well, you know, it's uh, it's uh, 
Uh, the poor, That's a the sore poor, spot for some folks on this the, podcast. The poor sure. fellow's not here to defend himself. We don't, I, I, <laughs> I said that because I didn't want Carl's to feel, when he listens to this, uh, if he does, I didn't want him to feel completely left out. But uh, all right, look, we, we, th- this, has been, uh, this has been great. We're going to take one more quick break. We're going to come back with a quick, to wrap this up with a quick My Favorite Thing. So you got a couple of seconds to kind of get that right. Absolutely. And uh, we'll let uh, Robin, our producer... <laughs> Work his magic, and we'll be right back uh, to wrap up Free Press Sports with Carlson Show. Welcome back to Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean Kirk, this is the time of the show where Carlos thinks we need to say what our favorite thing of the week was. Sometimes that's an odd phrase for maybe what you want to talk about that was most meaningful. Um, and favorite maybe isn't the right word if it's something that had a little bit of discomfort to it, but it was important. So I don't want to just say, you know, think of it as your favorite ice cream, but um, I assume you've listened to the show enough to know that, that you have some, some room here to talk about something that was important to you this past week or that you particularly enjoyed. Or just what's your favorite thing? Superman ice cream. I don't know. I well, I'm, I'm more of a vanilla guy myself. Actually, cookies and, and uh, yeah, I'm a chocolate, chocolate cookie dough. Uh, yeah. That's that is my proverbial jam. I wanted to shout out a a, a, a frequent uh, uh, guest of the podcast, uh, Lindsey Green, our uh, restaurant uh, critic was just uh, named a finalist for a Pulitzer Prize winner uh, of Pulitzer Prize, which is practically, if, if you know anything about journalism, that is our Grammy. That is our Emmy. And uh, she w- was uh, nominated as a, as a finalist for the award for, for, cri- uh, for criticism. She wrote a very, very interesting uh, uh, column that I think was that she came on the show and talked about, if I'm not mistaken. I, th- I think she did, yeah. And we're going to try to have her on here pretty soon. Absolutely. Um, so I just wanted to shout her out. Uh, it, it is a career landmark being uh, nominated as a, as a Pulitzer Prize uh, a finalist. And um, she's done a great job in the, the short time that she's been with us with the free press and she has uh stomached our inv- invitations to the, the podcast one, more than one occasion so she's been a good sport that's a that's a that's a great thing i was gonna actually mention her and i'm trying to remember forgive me if uh, i did this last week i'm trying to remember what day it was announced that our new editor nicole Avery oh yeah Nichol- last um that was that was last uh wednesday right okay so yeah yes. so may- maybe we did mention it but um obviously we're all thrilled and excited for that opportunity to work for her. Um, a lot of us, obviously, the free press have over the years, but to have her kind of run on the show and uh, with her passion and her energy and her creativity or smarts, we're, uh, we're looking forward to that. My favorite thing real quickly though, it actually happened when we were recording this podcast. I uh, had to take a tree. Um, we had to have a tree cut down. It was supposed to happen a little bit later, not interrupt the podcast, but Anyway, they came, they were a little bit early, and I hear some chainsaws worn out. The next thing I know, when I'm recording, initially I was at a different spot in the house with this. I was at a window, and I could see the tree coming right at me and right at the house. And um, it did clip the house. It just got a gutter and uh, one of the one of the front posts. But when it was falling, you know, it's, it's, we're talking about a 50, 60-foot tree. When it was falling, 
I started moving back. I thought, oh my goodness, uh, am, am I about to be, I wasn't worried about my house at that point. I was thinking, am I about to be in big, big trouble here? Fortunately, just clipped it. Didn't quite, um, get all the way to the main house, just the soffit and the gutter and so forth. And a little bit of the post and, and, uh, and nobody outside was hurt among the crew. So that's by far my favorite thing that, uh, because fallen trees, as we know, can get to be nasty, serious business. And, um, so nobody was hurt. It was, there was some damage. So what nobody, nobody was hurt and we're all good. And, uh, we got to finish recording the podcast. So that's, that's definitely my favorite thing. My and my now new favorite thing is that Sean's uh, gutters are strong enough to withhold the the brunt of of massive the, the, trees falling. The, the from, tip from of the tree, yeah, it hit a little, little bit of the softened, a little bit. It just kind of, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> How could that not be your favorite thing? But anyway, yeah, congrats to Lindsey Green. Uh, can, can, can congrats to uh, the crew that uh, they survived a falling tree. And, <laughs> yes, uh, congrats to Sean's house. Yes, and, uh, I, I, I feel fortunate and blessed that um, that nobody was hurt. And uh, in any case, thanks, man, for coming in, for filling in for Carlos. Big shoes to fill, but uh, yeah, you did you did a, a nice job. Absolutely, man. Now, anytime, and, and I do listen every week because I have to. You know, I got to screen it as a because you have to. You have to make sure. Team. That, uh, I, I'm, yeah. I, it's a joy to, to listen to it on a, on, a, on a weekly basis. I, I'm I'm. Trying like heck to make sure we get as many people in front of it uh, as possible. So, Kirk, I just wanted to, to to thank you for coming in and filling in for Carlos. They're big shoes to fill, but you did uh, <laughs> you did you did a nice job. I know it's not necessarily easy to come in. You're, you you know you're like you said at the top of this podcast. You were talking about your your career and how you got into it. You you're behind the scenes. You have tremendous influence uh, <laughs> more than anybody else in the department, obviously. But you're behind the scenes, so it's not always easy to. To step yeah. out on the stage. I mean, it's it's. I, I'm 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 glad to have been able to, to have been asked, and uh, you know, anytime you need me to come and fill in, I can I can only do so much in in terms of trying to you know fill in for Carlos here, uh, whom we miss, and hopefully we'll hear back again next week. Uh, but it was a pleasure anytime get a chance to talk with you, Sean. You know, it's it's uh, it's always a pleasure, man. I look forward to it, and we have the privilege of uh, getting to talk, you know, several times a week. So it's uh, it's one it's one it's one of the better parts of my of the job, to be honest with you, for me, and uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy it. I mean, yeah, it's certainly not writing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want we don't want that getting in the way of that. Gotta, yeah, gotta, no, no, no. Break, I, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I I always I always joke. I, I like to say that I, I I don't enjoy writing at all, but I love having written. <laughs> and so it, that's one of the best feelings in the world. So to get to the having written part, you do kind of yeah. have to write. No, uh, I, I, occasionally that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you know, I'd rather break down Golden State split actions, but you know, exactly. I, I know. I, I, here or there. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's the it's the <laughs> one thing it allows us to be a sort of a fan outside of our because we have to stay professional within this market. In any case, all right. Look, uh, we need to thank some people. First and foremost, let's thank Robin Chan, our producer for the show. Let's thank. You, we normally thank you. Here we get to uh, thank yeah, you in person. So, yeah. I thank you for coming, and now I get to thank you for making you're, this podcast possible to your face. You're you're welcome, I guess. Yeah, yeah. There, there we go. There we go. <laughs> and we want to thank uh, Anjanette Delgado, who's uh, our editor at the moment. Right. That's she's right. Gonna That's right. She's still the, still with pass, us and yeah. still running, helping us uh, from an audio standpoint. Absolutely you know, she, no. She's really instrumental and has been instrumental in this podcast from the start. 
and uh, she's going to be in this role for a little bit longer till we pass the the collectively pass the baton on on the Nicole Avery Nichols. But uh, we also want to thank you, the listener. And as we tell you every week, you can find us wherever you find your favorite podcast, Spotify and Apple. When you get there, subscribe, give us a, a rating, give us a shout, tell us what you think. Hey, you want to you want to you want to make a complaint? We're here for it. Until next week, Kirk. Uh, when you will be back on the other side of the microphone editing, and uh, or not editing, but making sure we don't think, say anything too inane and stupid. <laughs> well, until next week, we will uh, we will rejoin you with more Free Press Sports with Carlson Sean. <laughs>